0: Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Topic Tacklers. I'm Liam Dunlop.
1: And I'm Shane Bryant. Welcome everyone.
0: This whole episode is going to be just, we're going to talk old school sports compared to new school sports, compared to 70s, 80s, and 90s sports. And we have uh, my father, Donnie Dunlop.
2: I really appreciate being here guys. Really love with it. And I remember the old days and I hope to live... Add a little bit of color to it.
1: Yeah, Dom, we're really excited to have you today. We're uh, we're gonna dive into uh, certain players. I think that's correct, Liam. Um, throughout the different generations of sports and everything, but I'll let you take that away. Uh, just a note right off the bat, though, we are recording this on Thursday, March twenty fifth,
0: twenty twenty one. Yeah, so we're recording this on Thursday, um, and we're gonna go an old school player. We're gonna go uh, like an. 80s maybe 70s player we're going to go like a more modern like 90s 2000s player and then we're going to go with a guy that's playing still so we're going to compare four different players from each of the main four sports and we're going to start with basketball so basketball are obviously we're going to start we're not going to do the the cliche we're not going to do the cliche kobe Versus Jordan versus LeBron argument. We're gonna actually go with the bigs. I'm gonna start with Will Chamberlain. And Dad, well, like when you first saw Will Chamberlain, like what what was your first mindset?
2: Well, I watched him in black and white on TV, and he was one of the few seven footers in the actual sport. So he used to just hang there right in front of the basket and dunk him down. And it was fantastic. Everybody loved him. He'd just pass it to him, and he would take it down. And uh, he was a real—he was a real sportsman. And he was really almost one of the first, you know, uh, celebrities in basketball, where uh, you know there weren't a lot of seven-footers. And he would stand there, and he would take it, but he would just play the ball all the time
1: the thing that i think is crazy about wilt like back in that day and everything um and i just found this out actually is uh so during the nba draft it was actually territorial at that point so since he was from uh i think he was born in philadelphia yeah so he's from philadelphia he automatically gets drafted by the sixers even though he went to college in kansas that's incredible so like How you're scary just, She's so just destined. Like you, they knew that they were just getting the best player when he's huge like that. Like that's crazy.
0: So if you look at his first her his his first season in the league, he averaged thirty seven point six points and twenty seven rebounds <laughs> in kay. his rookie season. In his this is rookie year nineteen fifty nine sixty. So, <laughs> like. 27 rebounds per game is unheard of, Shane. This is a question. Me and my dad were we we did some research before this game. When did you think three in the key was brought in?
1: Offensive, defensive three in the key. Offensive, offensive three
0: in three in the key, where you cannot stand in the key as long as oh three like seconds. yeah, and it's just a turnover. When
1: was it brought in for you? When do you think it was brought in to the NBA? Like. Oh, definitely after Wilt was gone. So like Obviously. I would think like like ninety one.
0: Two thousand. Two thousand and one. Jesus. So imagine being a guy that big where you're one of the only seven footers in the whole league and you can just stand under the rim. And we're gonna talk about this That's early insane. later on in the, the episode because we're we're also gonna talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We're also gonna talk about Shaq. And we're also going to talk about Anthony Davis. That's that's who we're picturing as the best bigs of four generations. And will used to just be able to stand inside the paint. And he averaged in his career he played 1045 games and he averaged 31.1 points and 22.9 rebounds per game. Like how, how do you live like that?
1: How many assists? 4.4 4. yeah okay so well he doesn't need to pass that's the thing yeah he was the he was the man um i don't even i don't even know like how much you can really like boost this guy up he was clearly the overall dominant force in the league he was the best player he was the go-to guy everyone wanted him he played for um for what five teams six teams
0: yeah, if if you want to call like the San Francisco Warriors a, a team, sure. And he actually he was there for a, a couple years,
1: but then so three, te- so four teams then
0: Philly, like teams that everyone would know is uh, Philadelphia, um, Philadelphia, L LA, A, and, LA, right? and then yeah. Okay, so
1: yeah. Two, so he's played for two teams. Yeah. Um, he has his play, or he has his number thirteen retired. This is including the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, by four teams, because like, he
0: was incredible with the Globetrotters as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, he's seven foot one. Man. Yeah, he's seven foot one. He's and one that was, everyone, right? and that was, I think, when he was in college too. He was playing for the Globetrotters. Yeah,
0: I, w- I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, because he,
1: well, he was in Kansas. No, okay, so he played for the Globetrotters right after. A right year after.
0: after. So he came. So k- he got known because of how he good he was in college. Yeah. Because he was so tall, because he was so athletic. And this is this is so he started his career in 1959. He ended his career in 1973. Yeah. So Donnie, you were you were born in 1959. Exactly. Do, do you remember like obviously I'm I'm guessing you obviously didn't see much of Will Chamberlain, but you probably saw the end of his career? When the first the first time you saw Will Chamberlain play,
2: like what was the first thing you saw of him? It was pretty much dominance. Like he was always there and he was always making the points. But the actual thing that I remember about him was it um he had a woman in every port. Oh. And um every city he had a girlfriend and it was um well known now. It was in the thousands
0: out of boy yeah there there is actually if you want to look up on YouTube to to see the video of him talking to Conan O'Brien he was on the tonight show when conan O'Brien was the host for a bit and he talks about how many women he slept with and it was in the ten thousands like it was he was like so uh so so uh wilt how many people did you how many women have you slept with I don't know, like uh, four four a day. For how long? Uh three years. Oh so four hundred times four. Oh my god. Okay. So after that, because this guy's such a legend, we're gonna go to another absolute monster, Krim Abdul Jabbar. And what do you know him as, Donnie?
2: I know him as Louell Cinder. And uh, he came out of college, and he was really fantastic. He, again, he was a big boy, and uh, he just hit, hit the, the paint running. And at one point, he had to actually wear a mask because the little guys, the little, smaller people, were coming up and scratching his eyes as he was trying to make, um, trying to make the, uh, the ball. So, uh, and, of course, the skyhook. Yeah, Cinder knew what about Skyhook was, right?
1: <laughs> I love the Louell Cinder. Um I mean, like Kareem, I, I like I'm calling him Kareem. Uh yeah, we're, we I know him would. as Kareem. I know, yeah. At we our know him age as we know him as Kareem. As I love it. I love it. Um so Louell, he <laughs> he so he came to the league in sixty nine, right? So we're talking about a guy here. He won his first championship in 1971, so it took him two years, <laughs> two years to win a championship. He won Finals MVP and NBA. What team MVP was that with that year? That was with the Bucks. Can you believe that? No. Well, was last drafted, time the Bucks won the championship. He gets drafted first overall, in 1969, to the trash shit Bucks. <laughs> and in two years, he can win a championship, <laughs> he and makes MVP, them into a championship. and Finals MVP. Yeah, the big boy. <laughs> that is like. Oh my God, man! These are it's just these are dominant, and everyone on this list are, are dominant players, like players that have literally changed the game. Um, How many All Star teams did Kareem make?
0: Nineteen. Jesus Christ! And that's as Lou Alcindor, and then when he became yeah. a faithful man, he became Kareem
2: Abdul Jabbar and made 10, 15 more. And he really didn't do anything from the three-point line because the three-point line didn't come until 1979. Yes. So he was doing all that from the outside. He did the uh, skyhook, which was, you know, basically he just wanted to keep away from people because they were scratching at his face.
1: Now, if the three-point line was implemented before 1979, I mean like will be a factor. Wilt and Kareem, they're not shooting these shots. No, anyways, they're not factors right? for that. No. They're they're big guys, but I mean we're going to get into that later when we talk about Anthony Davis. Um, exactly. But I mean like it just it's just proven too, how the game has changed from such like a um like a brawling sport where like not many fouls were called like you're saying Don like you're getting scratched up and and these guys are getting bruised. How are you going to take down a 7-footer, right? You can't. You can knock him down. Like, you, I, like, I don't know what to do, right? So you're going to do whatever you can to hurt this guy. And the ref back then, they weren't calling that stuff, man.
2: But he, he, he was very resilient. Mm-hmm. He proved his, his, himself to be very resilient. Oh, yeah. And he could do it. He could keep away. And he learned his game. He learned the game that he had to play because he was so big and everybody was just coming after him. And he just figured it out. And he just dominated. Exactly.
1: I love it. I love Kareem. I mean, the guy's got a freaking statue, man. That says something. You got a
0: statue. He averaged 22 points per game in his LA career and 30.4 points in his in his uh, Milwaukee career. But the rebounds is where him and Wilt are just incredible. Like you'll never see stats like that. So is his his career with Milwaukee, he averaged 15 rebounds per game.
1: Jesus. How?
0: How? And when he went to LA, he only averaged 9.4. So that's
1: where you see the change. But, I mean, he played in Milwaukee for six years. That's right. That's a long time to get 15. So his career average
0: is 24.5 points per game, 11 rebounds per game, 3.6 assists, which isn't bad for a big man, 2.6 blocks, and... That's It's just ridiculous, but we're going to go to the next guy where, as all of us that are probably listening to this podcast know, because we've seen him go a little bit too long into a career where your stats diminish, is Shaquille O'Neal. And he was the the number one guy of the late 90s. He was the number one guy of the 2000s. And did this guy shoot anything past 14 <laughs> feet? No.
1: No. But Big Shaq Daddy, you know how he he can get it done. I mean, he led the magic team to a finals. Yeah. Again, trash magic. Against who? The Bulls yep. and Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was before Kobe was yep. in the league. Yeah. So we're talking about the early nineties, right? He got drafted in ninety two. Yeah. Um so I mean the three At 20 point, years old. So the three point Offensive, there's the offensive three in the key wasn't even a rule yet. Still, still wasn't. Still. Yeah. When you have, so you have Wilt, Kareem, for ten more and years. Jack. For 10 for more years. For 10 years. years yeah. Just posting up, standing in the key like that. That's like, right. that is crazy, man. Also, I want to note that every single one of these players on this list, the basketball list, the Lakers just seem to throw money at it and get them.
0: Every <laughs> single one of these players has played for the Lakers. Yeah. So, Donnie. The Lakers, like, back in the day, they weren't as good as they are now. And do you think it's just pure money or do you think it's it's ownership
2: and responsibility? I think it actually comes down to money because um, there was a lot of great teams back then, but it just, if you had the cash, you throw it at them, and the guys coming out of college, that's where you get them from, you know? And Shaq... Well, he was big man dominance like who's gonna push Shaq like he just played his position And he knew exactly who he was and nobody was coming after him. He played his game and uh, Well dominance. I would call I would call dominance Shaq
1: Don you ever see the video of Shaq? I think it was when he was on the magic, but he brought down the backboard like he brought down the whole basket.
2: I don't recall seeing that, but I'm sure he did. Yeah. Yes. Like that's
1: the man we're talking yeah. about right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think when he was in college he shattered it too. He shattered yeah. it when, from dunking. Uh,
2: when you're pushing three forty, yeah. you know, at six <laughs> nine, true. nine. Uh you can you're do stuff Yeah. what was that? He was seven foot two. Shaq is seven foot two? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I stand corrected. Boy. And then he was probably three forty or better, right? Absolutely. As far as weight is concerned, Yeah, right. yeah. and uh, I've seen a bunch of uh, shattered backboards, and I guess he did a couple of them. Yeah, oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and it's a yeah, good thing to see. Uh, if you call basketball, if you can say anything about dominance, I would call it Shaq. Like I he, agree. he'll go back in history as a dominant player for sure.
1: Yeah. Like he's got four rings, he's got four NBA championships, and he's won Finals MVP three times.
2: They
0: obviously Kobe Bryant has more championships, yeah. But who has more
1: Finals MVPs? Yeah, Shaq does. Yeah, Kobe's the only got one.
0: Yeah, because
1: they dominance. knew who, they knew exactly, the dominance. exactly dominance.
0: They knew who was the more dominant man, yeah. And um, in the 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 times in the early two thousands, they want like there was teams that were like Philadelphia that were trying to build on dominance and they faced him in the finals. Yeah. They added to Kevin Montombo.
1: Yeah. They added him up and year.
0: they had Allen Iverson and they were like, Oh yeah, those are our two. Our two can face these guys. Yeah. Shaquille no. O'Neal stood up and he's like, this guy's going to try to mess with me. No, that's not how it works. So if you're, if you're wondering like Shaquille O'Neal, we always see him on TV. We always see him in the all the commercials, the general commercials and stuff. Fifteen-time All Star, four-time NBA champion, two-time scoring champion in the NBA as a center.
1: Yeah, what? that isn't that's actually insane, man. Like three-time Final
0: champ. MVP, MVP, three-time All Star MVP, three-time All D, fourteen-time All NBA. But I think the biggest stat is two-time scoring champion. Yes, because nowadays you look at it and you're like, Kevin Durant's gonna win that. LeBron's gonna win that. Oh yeah, hard a shooter, right? Yeah, a shooter. Because now it's a three-point game. But halfway through his career, what stat did they bring in? Three in the key.
1: Yeah, yeah, literally through his. Me career. Me and Donnie were talking about this earlier. And he played And he played for uh, just shy of twenty years, nineteen years. Yeah. So that's literally halfway through his career. Yeah. They said we need to change that.
2: And it was it was one of the careers that just. And it actually, you know, it will go down as one of the best. Oh, yeah. Because he was just so dominant, so dominant. And we just don't want to see him go down to uh, the general.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, he did after uh, the Miami Heat days, and he was bouncing around the Suns and the Cavs. And uh, <laughs> he's probably wish he was getting that general money then. He wouldn't have to keep playing basketball. <laughs>
0: It's true, because we see him all, on TV all the time tra- arguing with uh,
1: Charles Barkley. He's good on TV.
0: He's great. Him and Charles Barkley always argue, and then whenever Charles Barkley makes a valid point, Shaq's like,
1: how many rings?
0: <laughs> <laughs> how many rings you got? Because <laughs> obviously Charles Barkley has no no championships. He does have an MVP. No, good.
2: Actually, Charles Barkley... Charles Barkley was a quality player. He was a great player. Yeah, he was he playing was so in
1: the Jordan era. You can't. You Jordan couldn't beat Jordan
2: behind it. Jordan.
1: Exactly. No one could beat Jordan. Like that was just the way it is. Shaq was lucky enough to be beaten by Jordan at the beginning of his career, and then Jordan's left. So he's like, I'm. It's my my league now.
0: So we're gonna go into our fourth guy. So we 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 started with a a pre pre like pre athletic almost. Uh, Will Chamberlain. And then we started to come into our own with Kareem and then Shaq is just dominant. Mm-hmm. Now we got Anthony Davis, which I feel is probably the best big of this time. Like
1: there yeah. there might be arguments, but like, um maybe Joel Embiid, but not even close the, for me uh, though. Uh, Anthony Davis for me is like the epitome of a floor general. He spreads the ball so well and he's not He's not like these other guys that are just a dominant threat down low, you know.
0: Yeah, me and Donnie were doing some research before this, and uh, Donnie, what were the what were the combined stats and three point range for the first three guys we were talking about?
2: Well, I don't know. The extreme uh, stats were like uh, zero, possibly.
0: Yeah, they're about zero point seven percent from three point range in their entire careers combined. And Anthony Davis comes in with a career average of 31%. So it really shows how much the NBA has changed and it's become a stretch offense where you need to have a big man that's 6'10 and 250 pounds that can also shoot the three or you almost have nothing.
1: Yeah, literally. So just to add on like your little three-point stats there, um, if you guys were to take a guess, this is a three-point line was implemented in the, in the NBA, like when Kareem was playing. Between Kareem and Shaq, how many three-point attempts do you think they've made together? Um, I would say, what, total? Total, yeah, together, combined. Attempts. I
2: would say, attempts, 19.
1: 40. Okay. A
0: little
2: bit because when was three-point, Uh, like, I'm to old school, and when was the three-point... Uh, Play in instituted. 1979.
1: 79. Yeah. Okay. So
0: that was. So that was well, all of Will, Will's career. Yeah, no he pointers, wasn't. No. And most of Cream's career, there was no 3 point About half.
1: Yeah. About half. So.
2: with Well, with Anthony Davis and being a power forward the way he is, and he is just a three-point power man.
1: Yeah exactly and and this is where I was going with this is Anthony Davis in his career has made 273 pointers
2: that's a lot
1: yeah yes. compared to the 40 attempted from right. the other people yeah. but again it's all kind of like full circle right like to go back to how like the league has changed so much is you need people like Anthony Davis now you, exactly. ne- you can't necessarily run with like a shack, right? Right. Like you get someone that big and stuff, they'll outrun you. Yep. They're gonna They're gonna get out of your. Um, they're gonna make some space, and they're literally just gonna shoot it over you. It's, and it's, the thing it's, is it's that it's Anthony
2: everything. Davis, he, he's not a he's not a small point guard. He's a big boy. Center. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's a power power forward. Anyways.
1: Yeah. 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 He's a big dude. I yeah. mean, like, he he's did. what seven foot? Yeah. He's oh, got to be seven close foot. to seven
2: foot, anyways.
1: Six ten, yeah. Yeah. So and six ten, and his arm, his arm span is the, like one of the longest in the NBA. And he's, he's top just, five, I
2: think, in that. And that's a perfect position, yeah, because he can go straight in, he can go right up to the right up to the basket, or he can do it from three points. Exactly. And he is a three point power.
1: Definitely. Um, can we? This is a question I want to ask both of you guys though. Can we say that? when talking about a position like this, like a power forward or like a, a big heavy center, do they need another player to contribute that to contribute to them, to them winning? Right. Cause we know cream lot, like for a long time, he had magic Johnson, um, Shaq had Kobe and Dwayne Wade when he won. Um, Anthony Davis now has LeBron. And when he had no one, he was barely making the playoffs. Right. Um, but I I don't honestly don't know too much about Wilt like that era and like who he had to play with. It was just kind of a different time, right?
0: I think it was with Jerry West.
1: He yeah. was with Jerry
0: West. He ended up being the logo. So having a guy that ended up being the logo of the NBA, that's solid. Like that that's the way to yeah, that's the way to go. Iconic. Yeah. So these these guys always had somebody with them. And who did Anthony Davis have before LeBron? Drew Holiday, yeah, crickets. Um, yeah, he, yeah, crickets, exactly. But then <laughs> he goes to see LeBron, and he's like, "Hey, man, can I win a championship here?" Yeah, yeah.
1: And we actually covered that in episode two, yeah. I believe, of our podcast, and how we think NBA players can control exactly. the league.
0: So yeah, we're gonna move on to uh, the NFL. So the NFL has had amazing generational talent when it comes to running backs. When it goes to so the four guys we're gonna talk about is Jim Brown, Walter Payton, Emmitt Smith, and Adrian Peterson. Jim Brown, like when he started out, he still—if you look on Pro Football Reference—he's still considered a fullback. He's only he was six foot two, yeah. two hundred and thirty pounds, and he was a monster man. Like he averaged five yards per attempt. He had, he had one hundred and six total rushing yards. And they actually, they actually do the research. Where, if Jim Brown played in today's age, he would average, he would have, in his entire career, had twenty two hundred fantasy points. Jeez. And and Donnie, you got to watch Jim Brown as a child, and you got to watch him just play play football. And just what was your first, what was
2: your first perspection of uh, of Jim Brown? Well, I watched Jim Brown on a black-and-white TV, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just amazing. Like, it, it, you could tell that it was just power. And the, the thing about it was that there, there was no covered stadiums back then. He was running on mud, and he was running on dirt. And so he had the big cleats, and he just, ima- just running like crazy. And he would exploit any hole. But the thing was, he would push them down as well because he was called a fullback, but he was more of a running back. Like, he was quick. Man, you watch any you, anything about uh, Jim Brown, and he was just fast as hell. And um, when the field conditions got worse, he got better. The muddier it was, the better he played. And it was fantastic. I love to watch him play against Chicago.
1: <laughs> and uh, let's not forget that he um, was pretty much the contributing factor to the Cleveland Browns' last championship that they've had in nineteen sixty four. That's rough. That
0: was it. And and that was his second last season in the league. And you are playing in Cleveland in these days. They don't have money. No. Exactly what my dad was saying. They don't have money. They're literally playing on the the crappiest field possible. But and you think he has the cleats that these guys do today? Oh no! So,
1: they have, he has none of the equipment these guys have today.
0: Jim Brown is arguably the best football player of all time, based on how he only played eight seasons. That's he only played insane. eight seasons. He made. He won one NFL championship. So he, he played nine seasons because he he made nine Pro Bowls, technically. They call it Pro Bowls, but that's like an all-star team. Eight All-Pros, three-time MVP, All-60s team, of course. Offensive rookie of there in 1957 when he was only 21. And he always considered a fullback. as what my dad was saying. Like, how are you considered a fullback when you can run for 12,000 career yards? Like, I know. He never missed a game. He missed. So he played in 118 games, and he was available for 121 games. So he only missed three games. <laughs> he only missed three for games. For a and, running back. And this is a guy where the research and everything wasn't there. So we're going to go to the next guy, which was obviously a staple. Every, everyone knows this guy. He was a staple in the 70s and the 80s. Sweetness, Walter Payton. And Walter Payton is obviously a godsend to anyone that loves football. But Donnie, when you used to watch this is your heyday of watching football. You you're a big Packers fan, and obviously the Chicago Bears are one of your biggest rivals, but what did you see when sweetness used to run all over your team? <laughs>
2: Well, the fact is, yes, I am a uh, Packers fan, and I've been a Packers fan since 1968. But the thing is that when I saw the the, um, Walter Payton run as a Chicago Bear, it killed me. It really did. And it killed me at the same time that I was awed. He was just fantastic. There was nothing he couldn't do. He would just find a hole. He was quick to exploit. And he was quick, man. Was he quick? He wasn't that big. He was only like five ten, about 200, 200 pounds. But and in that day, you know, it um, when size really mattered when the fridge was there. You know, we had the fridge, or they had the fridge, and stuff like that. And but he would just find a hole, run it, and pick up fifteen whenever he had to. It was amazing. He was just oh. Sweet to watch.
1: So when Walter Payton won the Super Bowl in '86, um, I guess they had two goal line drives. Go goal line, yeah, goal line drives for the Bears. They didn't even give him the ball on the goal line. They gave it to refrigerator that you were talking about, Don. Yeah. So I'm assuming that was part of their tactic. But I mean, like, aside from possibly getting that Super Bowl MVP, I mean his award sheets and all his achievements are, it is it's completely outstanding and it, it can't be dulled down by anything by that but i am i am surprised that that was kind of the way they went when they have someone rushing for i mean he had like 1800 yards the one year in 76 he had 1800 yards and then yeah.
2: exactly and the thing was that touchdown he was used as the faint everybody was watching him and nobody expected the the fridge to take that ball, right? And, yeah. and he just ram right through because he was only three hundred and sixty two pounds. <laughs> you know, and there's not a, a lot of people that were gonna stop him. But he was the faint to the uh, right side. Yeah on that play. Crazy. And McMahon just tried to faint to him, handed it off to the fridge, boom. Crazy. Got it done, eh? He's-
1: Got it done.
0: Because who's your defense going to be against the, the one of the fastest guys ever? Like obviously at uh, at Peyton's latter end of his career, it was his second last season in the, mm-hmm. in the NFL. But you're still if you see Walter Payton in the backfield, you're obviously going to keep two and a half eyes
1: yeah. on this guy. Going to key on him. Yeah. That's just it. Yeah. Most
2: definitely.
0: And it's like- true. But but when you have the fridge is like a. A three hundred and fifty pound guy, as you were saying, like he's gonna fall a yard. If, yeah. you're, if you're gonna tackle him, he's gonna go a yard. But having a guy like Walter Payton, and he's been incredible, and he actually has the same birthday as my father. Yes, he's, he's yeah, actually born cool. on he, on July twenty fifth. I did not realize that. Yeah, it's yeah. very very cool. We just looked that up right now, and um, obviously, rest in peace to Walter Payton. And his
1: uh, sorry to interrupt, but his motto is actually "never die easy."
0: Never die easy. That's badass. Yeah, it was his motto.
1: Yep. Never die easy. That's super badass.
0: But, yeah, we're going to go into to the next guy who is obviously – he's. I think this guy, for me, is the best running back of all time. Started in 1990, ended in 2004 with Arizona. Emmitt Smith. Like, Emmitt Smith just never
1: missed a down. Like, he was so – fun to watch i i can't even put into words almost but he was just so like outstanding you never knew what you were gonna saw like see the next play like you never knew if he was gonna burst down the middle he could brush off three guys like it's nothing he can juke and dance out those tiny little cornerbacks like it's nothing take it 50 yards of the house he was yeah i agree with you liam definitely one of the best players of all time for the nfl
0: the only thing I have to say about Emmitt Smith is that he had the passing attack in the Super Bowl days. So he had those beautiful '90s days with the mm-hmm. Cowboys. But he also had an Aikman. He also had a Michael Irvin, yeah. where it was those guys that were, oh, we're, let's focus on let's focus on the pass first, and then focus on the run after. But then he runs for 170 yards in a game, and they're like. Uh we should have probably put more guys in the box.
1: Nice like, seriously.
0: So Donnie, again, like it's it's another time where we weren't alive for the the heyday of um, Emmett Smith's career. So like what what were your first thoughts of Emmett Smith?
2: Well, being a Packer fan, I hated the little bastard. <laughs> he was uh, he was only my size. Like he was only like 5'9", 210 something like that, but he just ran like the wind and he could juke like he'd just like juke people right out of their cleats. It was fantastic. Oh yeah. You you see him go up the gut. He had a good line. He had a really good offensive line and they could post they could poke holes for him and he would exploit those. He would just go right up. And if he only made 7 or 8 yards, that's fantastic because they could go back on their uh, their pass game. But what what was ever asked of him, he would he would do and it was just fantastic, and he and he was just such an Iron Man. Like I don't think he missed a game; he just kept playing and playing and playing for how many years? Did he with, with Dallas?
1: He was. Uh, he was with twelve years with Dallas. Yeah, yeah, and he and then and he he
0: only missed a to- like he only started less than two games Jeez. for Dallas in his entire career. And the numbers that are incredible for me are. He ran for 25 touchdowns in a season. Wow. And the year before that, he ran for 21. Like yeah, I would and, want him in my fantasy team. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, and, we were, me, and my, me and Donnie were talking about this before that. It was fantasy points, and if you look at fantasy points all time, they actually do that on Pro, F- Pro Football Reference, and compared to all the other running backs we're talking to, he's up by 500 points. He would have averaged in his entire career – 3,147
1: fantasy points. Jeez. Man, you just don't get players like that today. No. There's no way. it will, And it's it's definitely more of a passing league today, but there's still so many run-heavy offenses. And, and it it goes back to what you're saying, Don, is they weren't even a run-heavy offense. They had the pass there.
2: And that was, that was the Cowboys in the day. They had the arm and they were throwing balls down the field but anytime they needed anything he was there and they knew exactly what he could do good oh we need seven throw him in we need eight throw him in we need a 3 yard touchdown throw him in you know and it just it was just he was just so consistent and th- there was there was no reason why you wouldn't trust him to make a play
0: and unfortunately, the next guy we're going to talk about is a late or an early 2000s favorite. Everyone loved him, but he just wasn't consistent enough. If he was consistent enough, he would easily be up there. But he's probably the best running back of this generation in Adrian Peterson. As we look at his stats, he's obviously had his second year in the whole league in 2008. He had 1,760 yards. His third year in the league, he had eighteen touchdowns. His sixth year in the league, he had two thousand ninety-seven yards. But that ACL tear in twenty fourteen that's gonna that's gonna ruin a career, and especially nowadays, that's what exactly what happened.
1: Well, after his. 2000 When did he tear his ACL? After 2000 season, right? Yeah. So, two,
0: no, 2000. Uh, yeah, two years right after. after. Two
1: years after. Two years after. So he gets to 2000 season. He has a season of like 1700, right? I mean, at that point, he's in the league for almost six years. Like a running back usually doesn't last that long in the NFL today. Um, I definitely think Minnesota got exactly what they needed out of Adrian Peterson but it is a shame that he had to go down and it, it pretty much derailed his career but in my opinion I think he was out of his prime by that point um but I mean like you can't deny these facts man this guy is one of the best so as a
0: as a Packers fan donnie like obviously you saw this guy used to run over your team like he used to <laughs> he used to destroy the Packers for almost 200 yards a game and you always you obviously had the defense to defend him but like what was it about Adrian Peterson that that just made
2: him special i think it might have had something to do with the coaching that they they would they knew exactly who they were playing right and for, physically for him it was probably because he ran like a greased pig like, you just couldn't take him down. Like, everybody tried, but he was relatively low to the ground. He had a low center of gravity, and linebackers coming up on him, the only people that could take him down were the, uh, the, the, the backs because they were more of his size, you know, and they would take him down the, in, the, in the legs. But, no, I, I hated to see uh, Adrian Peterson every time. Every freaking time. So,
1: from uh, just the interviews, like from Adrian Peterson, or like mostly people talking about him and stuff, it seemed like he was just someone who just cared about football so much. Like he was never, um, like, uh, like a tarnish in the locker room. He was never toxic, or like he was always pretty upbeat and like a good uh, guys, like to, the, or sorry, a good like mentor to the rookies and everything. So Adrian Peterson in his first Pro Bowl apparently absolutely just went off like this guy was not taking it like it was a pro bowl like hey man just you know jog it out or whatever no one's gonna actually hit you like i i want to find his stats but he apparently went off for like 200 yards or something stupid like he, he just, just doesn't give up he just wants to play football he doesn't care where it is
0: yeah and i'm not surprised because yeah when you come into the league you want to be known as that that workhorse like we were talking about Emmett Smith and, and and all the rest of the guys the Jim Browns and the Walter Paynes but yeah Adrian Peterson second year in the in the league he he ran for 1760 yards and he made the pro bowl and that's probably the year you're talking about
1: um so yeah 2008 i'm talking about yep. so yeah 2008 so he 16 carries 129 yards two touchdowns in the pro bowl in the pro bowl
0: that's not that doesn't happen like <laughs> Pro Bowls don't happen like that because they don't run it often they try to get the all the five six all-star receivers to in the pro in the tight ends to get as many catches as possible so having a running back run that much in one pro Bowl in the second year yeah
1: that's crazy um he was actually the first rookie to win Pro Bowl MVP since Marshall Falk so I mean that's pretty good company to be with. Not that I'm boosting the Pro Bowl to be <laughs> everything, but that's he's he's amazing, man. You can't deny that.
0: Yeah, the Pro Bowl hasn't been a staff fest, but um there's there's a certain sport that just carries a stat prowess, and that's hockey. Like if you have the stats to back your name, even if you played for twenty six years in the NHL, or you've played for 10 years in the NHL so far. Those are the guys that you want to talk to about. And um, we're going to go to hockey now. And we're going to first start off with Gordie Howe. Donnie Dunlop is a huge Detroit Red Wings fan. And he grew up watching Gordie Howe. Let alone, it was almost the twilight of his career because he was already in the league for about 19 years when you started watching him. But he was still on point. and And uh, Gordie Howe, like, what, do, what does Gordie Howe mean to you in sports?
2: Well, the Red Wings were always my team. Uh, I grew up in Hamilton, and uh, they were really the closest because the, the Sabres didn't come in until a little bit later on. So uh, we were on a three-channel television, and it would be watching um, – black and white, and it would probably be the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs against whoever. And then we would see Gordie Howe and his Red Wings (laughs) come in. And just because I I lived in Hamilton, I thought that, no, I don't have to be a Red Wings or a uh, Maple Leafs fan. I'm going to go with the Red Wings. And I've been a Red Wings fan since probably 64, 65 and uh Gordie Howe well what about him you know he was tough uh he could be dirty you know he probably had the sharpest elbows in the uh, league uh he probably led or close to penalties in uh, in the seasons he played he was consistent he had the endurance you know he played until he was 52 years old and um Played 24 years for my Detroit. And I'm, I'm still a Red Wings fan, by the way. And you watched them, and he, it was almost like, well, the, the camera, it was a little bit different back then because they almost seemed like it had like two or three cameras, and that was it. They were following them up and down and up and down. And on a black-and-white TV, you really almost couldn't even find the puck. So you had to believe where the camera was showing you. And I can just believe that uh, where the camera wasn't showing Gordy Howe, he was hitting somebody. Or oh, he was hitting them with a stick or poking them or checking them or something like that. Because he would come up and he'd just be a happy guy. But uh, it was amazing. I loved him. I, well, I love my Red Wings, and I love Gordy Howe.
1: I always liked this as a bar trivia question. And it was name a famous person from Saskatchewan. And it was always Gordie Howe. That would be the easy answer, right? Um I mean like we're talking about someone who has a hat trick named after him. So you get in a goal and assist and a fight. It's called the Gordie Howe hat trick. Like that's goal, awesome. assist and a fight. Yeah. Yeah, and a fight, which yeah. you literally can't get nowadays. <laughs> um yeah, I mean like like, again, you you can only, like, boost this guy up so much. Like, he literally was holding all the records until Grazie came into the league. So you have to think about it that way. Like, he was literally the best guy until the best guy came, which is natural in yeah. any sport.
2: And that's always, always going to happen. There's always going to be someone better than you, but you do what you do till you do it, right?
1: Exactly. I uh, twenty-one all-star teams. I was gonna say I want to let him drop some stats right now.
0: Twenty-one all-star teams for Gordie Howe. Um, He played for the WHA. He won two championships there. He won four Stanley Cups for the Red Wings, and then they, after he left, they became the Dead Wings. They were (laughs) not good at all. He He won still
2: a fan though.
0: He won six hearts, six Ardrosses, Rosses, and he was just incredible. Like he was always there. Like, his stats, like, if you look at the points, it's like, oh, yeah, this guy didn't put up that many points. But then you look at game-winning goals. Game-winning goals, like, he would have 10 on a season. He would have 9 on a season. And then even strength goal, because, like, the players nowadays focus on power play points. And his even strength points are better than some guys' now career points. So, like, so, yeah, Gordie Howe has just always been incredible. But we're going to go to another guy who... Who had an incredible career with the Montreal Canadiens. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about pretty much most of the the original six, and we're gonna go to the Montreal Canadiens, and we're gonna go to the next generation of players. But this guy was a lot smaller and a lot. He was a way different player than Gordie Howe, and we're gonna talk about Guy Lafleur. Guy Lafleur, he showed up every day and he worked so hard because he wanted to play for the Montreal Canadiens his whole life he grew up a Montreal Canadiens fan and where did he get drafted first round, first overall Montreal Canadiens Donnie Dunlop where, like watching Guy Lafleur like, what did you think about this he was only six I'm I'm not saying he's small six foot, 185 that's small in the NHL for me and wh- what did you see from Guy Fleur that just changed your aspect of hockey?
2: Well, when I, when I first saw Guy Fleur, he was playing with uh, Jean Beliveau, and Jean Beliveau was uh, a bigger boy, and uh, he was probably 6'3", 6'4", maybe, and he was solid. He was a solid player. He came out the middle because he was the center, and he just did what he had to do. But when Guy Lafleur came in, he was so quick. Like, you, you couldn't understand how he could be there and then there and then there at the same time. He was just all over the ice. It was fantastic. And he had to be where he was. And it just seemed like he, he was there. If, if a pass was there, it was to Guy. Or if a Guy made a pass, it was supposed to be where it was. And he scored and he was quick. And he had, uh, he was very graceful. He was a graceful player, and uh, he seemed to, you know, he was had an accurate shot. Like he would come in, they would uh, they would try and push on him, and he would just take it from there, and it would be right on target, and it was just fantastic. Like I don't think he um, shot that many more than he got goals. Like it was just that accurate.
1: So. They uh, had a nickname for him in Quebec, I guess around the league, but it was French. So it translates in English to the Blonde Demon, and that is one of the best nicknames I've ever heard. I mean, like, he scored... So he was the first player in NHL history to score 50 points in six consecutive seasons. Like, that is crazy, man. This guy, like, he's won uh what was it he's won five championships with the canadians that's right that's oh man i don't know he this is definitely uh i'm not super big on hockey um and this is obviously way before i was even interested in hockey whatsoever like i don't think i've ever seen a tape of Guy fleur no. i don't think so but i'm going to after this and I uh, yeah I I mean just looking at his stats and everything he is unbelievable and and just seemed like a, just a goal scorer right like a goal scorer and a sister like a team player and a winner
0: and the thing that was always strange for me so obviously I wasn't alive during the Guy Lafleur days but he ended up going to the Quebec Nordique afterwards and that I always found I always found that strange because so he we went to the Rangers for like half a season, but they ended up at the Quebec Nordique, which is it wasn't a rivalry because like Quebec was very new, but still playing for a team that was right next door. Like
2: Donnie, what do you think about that? Uh, The answer to that will never be known unless somebody actually asked Guy why he did that. And I don't think uh, Brett Favre ever answered the question why he went to the Vikings. Very true. So um, it could have been that he just still wanted to play hockey and uh, nobody else gave him the chance and Quebec came back. Or he just said, no, I, I I can't I can't think that he would say just F you to the uh Nordi- or the uh Canadians, the Canadians. I don't There's think no so. There's no way. That was him. I mean, I think That was him.
1: Like he spent so he spent so long with Montreal and then he actually went to the Rangers for 1 year and then he went to the Nordiques like he just could have just wandered back home, it, and that's totally normal. Right? I think
2: I think he just still wanted to play hockey, and he still thought that he could do it. Yeah, and uh, being close to home, it was helps, the, right? was the next best thing. Yeah, I, I agree you with know. that as well. I don't, um, I don't I don't think it was a a punch in the face of the um, the Canadians at all. No. I think he just wanted to play fo- uh, hockey, but the only question uh, to be answered would be from him. Yeah. And, and you know the Canadians why? fans, and you so know, they're all it, pissed off. And the thing is, it might be out there. There could be a interview with um, with The Flower. Yeah. Because that's what he he was known as.
1: It, the Flower, yeah. He was The Flower. The Flower.
2: Um, that flower. The reason that he did go to the Nordique. Yeah. Maybe just wanted to play with Saki.
0: He did end up playing Joe, with Joe Saki. And another guy that also used to play with Joe Saki is the next guy we're going to talk about is obviously, we don't have to talk about him much because everyone knows about him, is uh, obviously a generas- generational talent in uh, Wayne Gretzky. So Wayne Gretzky, as everyone knows, is the best hockey player of all time. Um, he, he just destroyed statistics. He played for the Edmonton Oilers, and then he made that controversial trade to the LA Kings. He ended up with the St. Louis Blues for a little bit and um, the New York Rangers, but his father just passed away, as we've talked about on the other on another episode. So, rest in peace, Walter Gretzky. And but Wayne Gretzky, like, there's nothing much to say about him. Like Wayne Gretzky is Wayne Gretzky, and he's always going to be the best.
2: Well, what I can say about him is he grew up and played about 20 minutes down the road from where I grew up. And I almost recognized him as a uh, hometown boy because he wasn't from, you know, B.C. or Nova Scotia or Newfoundland or California. He was just from up the road. And we we accepted him as one of our own. And we cheered for him like crazy because he was one of our own. So, um,
1: I'm not, I'm not going to go off about Gretzky either because everyone knows the facts and stuff like that. He's the great one and everything. But just to kind of put it out there too, he won eight straight heart trophies. Yep, Eight. So, for eight years, it was a given. This guy was clearly the best player in the entire league. Eight years. That's more than people's prime.
0: Oh, that's way more. Like. Yeah. And that's from like his third, fourth year in the league. That's his first year in the NHL that he won the heart Wow. to his ninth year in the year in the NHL that he won the heart. And then he also, then they skipped a year where he came third place for the heart and then he won it again. <laughs> <laughs> like Wayne Grist, he's the best. He's the best of all time, but we've talked about for many days technology and we've talked about the goalies back in those days compared, obviously, Gordie Howe and Guilla Fleur's days where their goalies were tiny, like the the leg pads were tiny, the shoulder pads were tiny. Even going up to Wayne Gretzky's day, the, the goalies were tiny. So how do you think Wayne Gretzky would deal in this day and age, Donnie?
2: There's no doubt that Wayne Gretzky uh, was the best, and um, but there was a couple of things that he actually did That he made his own and i don't think anybody else in hockey had ever done that or had the opportunity to do that he did a lot of uh hanging behind the net which was kind of strange because he would just hang there and then have his forwards and defensemen feed the puck to him and he would just turn around and shove it back in there which was great fantastic good for his numbers but it, it had never been done before and so that would that could be called another Gretzky number one thing and the other thing is that I see is that he always had a goon protecting him it was almost like he was wearing a crown when he skated down the ice like, nobody really wanted to hit him. Like, I, 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 I was watching games, and a, a, a defensive player would have a full shot to knock him out. Like, just knock him out. And they would just give him a shoulder or something like that because they knew cement head would come down and just knock him out if they did something like that. So he, he had a different style about him and it was respected by almost every player in the, uh, in the whole hockey league. So whether it made him as good as he was or his talent, which is, he did have talent, that's for sure. But there was other things that were at play in his uh, career that made him what he was.
1: Um, Dave Semenko. Was his That's uh, the, one. the, the head. Cement head, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and since Gretzky like has <clears throat> sh- like displayed everything he's done in the NHL, everyone wants to be like him now. No one wants to grow up the goons. No one wants to like get into an older hockey body anymore, where you need muscle and stuff. Like, you ever seen that commercial where? The uh, it's the Leafs guys and the older ones are like and down spaghetti and stuff Absolutely. and exactly. the new guys like drinking their protein shake or whatever it's like yeah. you guys don't carb load it's kind of yeah. what it reminds me of after like now everyone's kind of wants to be the
2: Wayne Gretzky right Yep. The t- uh. they would rather take the fame without the hits exactly right? because he didn't really get hit. No. You look back on any film, I don't, I don't, I dare you to find any film that he ever took a good check. You know, if uh, somebody came up to him and laid him out, he wasn't that big. No, they could have laid him out in year three, and then we wouldn't even be talking about him.
1: You're not seeing but, uh, Scott but he just, Stevens. But he just had
2: this air about him, and everybody respected it. I'm not saying that's bad. But he's the parent. Yeah,
0: I'm saying that's bad And I'm saying that's bad Because you should never Be scared of one player And you should never allow one player To dominate the league like that And it was getting Close with the next guy we're about to talk to But when a guy Is coming at you even if you're gonna End up fighting somebody Like a cement head or a Marty McSorley or somebody Like that I just, I, I just don't appreciate that, that you're scared of somebody, which I totally agree with you, Don. They were scared of him. They were scared of what the consequences were. When you hit Gretzky, what's going to happen to you? And that makes it so much worse because Gretzky could literally skate through anyone in the league and you have no consequences. Like, yeah, sure, here you go, buddy. And then your how's your goalie feel? Oh, thanks, thanks for letting uh, Messier and Crosby go two on o on me because he didn't want to hit one of them. That's it's just disrespect. But the next guy we're going to talk about is a guy that got hit, and he's had a shortened career because of that. And that's Sidney Crosby, who is the next generational talent we're going to talk about. So we're gonna we're gonna cut the uh, the baseball talk for another episode because. Baseball for us, we're Canadian. And it is off season. It's off season. We're gonna cut this. And so we're gonna we're gonna finish off with this this topic. Sidney Crosby, he wasn't the guy where everyone was like, Oh yeah, I can't hit this guy.
1: He didn't have a goon. He, he did he for a bit. But, but he, he didn't, didn't have, have a cement hit. No. But also the league wasn't the same. It's
0: never gonna be the same. And but they've started to realize after Crosby got all these concussion issues that they got to change stuff up because so we were looking at the at the career stats and we're like oh wow oh, nice yeah yeah Wayne Gretzky's played how many games so Wayne Gretzky's played career fourteen hundred eighty seven games okay and Sidney Crosby's played one thousand sixteen and he he's still been in the league for 15 years. So he's had seasons where he's played 41 games in a shortened season. He's played 22 games in a concussion season. He's played 36 games. He's played 77 games. He's only played 82 games. How many times do you think Shane? How many times do you think 15 Wayne years? 15 years in the NHL. How many think how many times do you think Wingress, or sorry, Sidney Crosby has played 82 games? 10 years, 10. ten once. Years. What? Once. He's only played 82 games v- once. And that was in 2017,
1: 2018. Wow, man. That's actually really surprising. He is well, all injury related.
0: He's so injury prone. And he as we were all saying before this, he's never had a guy that could just protect him. No. And they, you weren't allowed that. No. Because you're not say Sidney Crosby gets hit and somebody jumps on that guy. That guy's getting five game suspension. Yeah, exactly. That, that guy's getting a five game suspension and he's getting a 10, 10 minute minor or 10 minute major in that game. And that might ruin that whole game for them. It's a different game. Yeah. And Wayne Gretzky was always protected, you were never going to touch him. And now Sidney Crosby walks around the league where he's like, I know you're not going to hit me that hard anymore, but he was getting hit that hard. Yeah, In his early days, they didn't give a shit who you were. They didn't care if you were Sidney Crosby. They didn't care if you were some random guy, Uh, Jordan Tutu. They didn't care who you were. They're going to hit you as hard as they hit the next guy because that's how they play. Yeah, And that's how good the early 2000s were, and that's how good – the late 2000s were as well because they didn't give a shit who you were. They were going to hate you hard and they were going to play hockey against you. But let's let's be honest. Sidney Crosby still
1: a one of the great ones. Even if he's injury prone, there is no regrets with the Penguins' decision in taking that. He, they won the lottery. It's it's all it is. They won the lottery. Um but to kind of add about uh what you're saying Liam with like People kind of like honestly beating the shit out of this kid. Um, it like the first thing I think about is the Boston Bruins team with Lucic and Chara and just like a goon team, man. They went, they were down and dirty in like a newer NHL generation, and they, yeah, they, they beat Sidney Crosby up themselves, man.
2: And I just want to say one thing. When when I remember watching hockey back in the 60s, it would be uh, two minutes for fighting. Mm -hmm. You know, you would get put in the penalty box for two minutes for fighting. You know, you'd beat the shit out of somebody and you get two minutes. And then you'd be back on, right? With a sharpened stick, ready to take it to somebody else. And that almost was the same all the way up to Gretzky, I would say. Because Cement had, you know, he would get five minutes for hooking, or five minutes for you know, slashing, or something like that. But then he'd be back on the ice the next shift. No, so no. nowadays, I don't think so.
1: Nowadays the two minutes is a two-game uh, suspension and two 20000 sus- out of your bank.
2: And you're out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, know, you know. Exactly. Why bother playing because I'm going to take all your money? Yeah. Type of thing. And I hope you got good insurance because we're going to sue you. Yeah, exactly. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. So it, the, what we were talking about all program was the difference between then and now. And it's pretty obvious.
1: It is. And that's why I'm so glad we were able to get you on here, Don. So thank you so much because to have someone that... Has lived through like the older generations and watched it like when it was in black and white on a three channel TV, and to get that perspective, it's just it's amazing. So thank you very much for coming on, Don.
2: Yeah, no problem at all. Because you know the physicality really hasn't changed. A fast, strong person from the forties, fifties, in a particular sport, would roughly be the same. the uh, The technique and equipment have evolved. You know, back in the day, in football, guys played both ways. They would play on offense and defense, and they would run back uh, punts, and they would run back kicks. That is insane. Everything. They would play all game long. And as a matter of fact, just to blow my own horn, in my junior football days, I did that. I, I was a running back, and I was a middle linebacker. You know, and I ran kickoffs and I ran back kickoffs. Yeah. I I was on that field all game. And that's just the way we did it. It was and it really wasn't that long ago, it was in the seventies. So times have changed. But I agree. for the good, for the bad, you be the judge. I think we're gonna end end this on
0: is um just the amount these guys got paid too. The amount that guys that got paid back in the Jim Brown days was about like he he got on on average about $200,000 a season. And mm-hmm. like if you if you bring that over to our days in the 50s, 60s, he's doing well. He like he's very well. Like he's very well off. But if you look at Adrian Peterson in the last contract he signed and he he's obviously past his prime, but like Adrian Peterson's still making eight million dollars a year, and that's eight million dollars. So there's there's guys there's guys in the league that are doing very well for themselves, and that's just how that's just how the day and age. Is, exactly how my dad said. Donnie said, technology is insane right now. Jim Brown had twice as many fumbles as the next guy, as Walter Payton, as we were talking about. But did he have gloves on his hand? Do he have to dip his hands in mud to try to get a little bit of grip? That's exactly what happened. And obviously now we're going to Adrian Peterson, where he has the most high tech, high tech technology, and he's not going to fumble the ball because of. He's going to fumble the ball because of a guy that's better than him whacking the ball out of his hands, not because he has. Mud on his hands. He has yeah. absolute garbage technology holding the ball cold. right. So. Yeah, I, th- I think it's been a fun episode, and, uh, and Shane, yeah, break us off here.
1: All right, yeah, so uh, this was episode four of the Topic Tacklers. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you reach this point, you can find us on Facebook at the Topic Tacklers, and listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Anchor App, and Breaker App.